Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big questions help us explore our world and connect with each other in new ways. Now is your chance to come together with other Brains On listeners to support the show you love. Make a gift by June 30th to help us reach $5,000 in listener donations, and you'll unlock a $5,000 challenge from our generous board of directors. Contribute at brainson.org donate. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Buckled in the back seat, near and far, it's a brains-on-road trip in the car. Gabriella, we got our snacks. Check. Water. Check. Sunglasses. Check. Podcasts and music to listen to. Check. We are ready for our road trip through the world of cars. Gas-powered cars. Electric cars. Steam-powered cars. Steam-powered cars. Yeah, they actually existed, and you will learn all about them. Plus, how do engines work, and how were cars invented? We'll answer those questions now. Keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom. We're hitting the road to answer your questions about cars, riding in cars, designing cars, engines, traffic, and other vehicular topics. My co-host for this series is 10-year-old Gabriella Hopper from Lorton, Virginia. Hi, Gabriella. Hi, Molly. Gabriella is one of the many, many listeners who have sent us questions about cars. So, Gabriella, how did you get interested in cars? Well, um, I found a book that had a a lot of cars in it. So when I opened the book, I saw a lot of cars and they just really got me interested in cars. So what is the most fascinating thing to you about cars? I like to see the des- the different designs of cars because they're all so different and they come in so many shapes and sizes. After you read that book about cars, how have you kind of kept learning about cars? I like to watch racing, like race cars on the TV when I get the chance to. And I see the different types of race cars that are made. And they're just so cool. And I like looking at them and seeing how how they're made and how they work. Have you done any exploration of how cars work, like the engines, the insides of them? I haven't, actually. As much as it seems, I have not. Well, then, today, this episode is perfect for you because we're going to learn all about it. Okay. Cars are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. So it is not surprising that there is so much curiosity surrounding these motorized machines. Today, we're starting with these questions. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm from Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. My question is, how does gasoline make cars move? I'm Nandini Shields, and I'm seven years old, and I'm from Battingford. And my question is, how do gasoline car engines work? Excellent questions and a great place to start. The engines used in most cars today are called internal combustion engines. Or exploding engines. That's right. 
exploding. Exploding engines sound dangerous. Don't worry. They're not too dangerous. Your car is powered by lots of tiny controlled explosions happening inside its engine. For most cars, that's at least 6,000 explosions per minute when you're driving down the highway. An explosion of explosions. That's a lot of explosions. When a fuel-like gasoline is mixed with air and then exposed to a bit of heat, boom. That's called combustion. This reaction produces exhaust and heat. Exhaust is mostly made up of gases, so when it's heated up, it expands. And this expanding gas exerts a pressure, pushing on the things around it. In this case, the gas pushes up on sliding parts of the engine called the pistons. These are metal rods that fit neatly in metal tubes. When gases push on them, it makes these pistons move up and down inside their tubes. These parts moving up and down make the wheels go around. Think of it like the way you pedal a bicycle. Your legs go up and down, turning a crank, which then turns the wheels. The pistons, like your legs, move up and down, turning a piece of the engine called a crankshaft. And when this crankshaft turns, it makes the whole wheel turn. And that makes the car move. All thanks to tiny explosions. Explosions led listener Annika De La O to write in with this logical question. Why doesn't the fuel in our cars make the car burn up? So we enlisted Annika to talk to someone who knows cars. <laughs> A familiar voice and laugh to public radio listeners far and wide. Hi. Hi, Annika. This is, of course, Ray Maliazzi, one of the hosts of the legendary NPR show Car Talk. Go ahead, Annika. I'm ready. Why wouldn't the fuel in the cars blow up the car? Oh, boy. I was afraid you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good question. So we're going to put just enough gasoline in, not too little, but more importantly, not too much, so that when that explosion takes place and pushes that piston out of the cylinder, it's just enough so that it doesn't break everything. And in fact, it's a very good question because we're going to make sure that the cylinder, that part, the, the larger thing that the piston fits into, that that doesn't go anyplace. So let's imagine that cylinder is attached to a big hunk of metal whether it's steel or iron or aluminum, and it's really substantial. So when that explosion takes place, the explosion is trying to ex explode everything. It's trying to, it's trying to blow the bigger can apart, that is the cylinder. It's also trying to push the piston, God knows where, into the neighbor's yard, but we don't want that to happen. So we're going to encase the cylinder in a big chunk of metal, and that thing is called the engine block. Now, in, in your car, you have an engine block that has not just one cylinder. It may have four or six or eight or ten. But for the purposes of this explanation, one's good enough. If you understand how one works, we'll understand how two and four, et cetera, et cetera, work. This big hunk of metal contains the explosion so that the cylinder doesn't blow apart. What happens to the fuel when it gets used up? Ah, that, that's a great question. So what's left behind is a waste product. We call that exhaust. So the exhaust has to escape and has to make room for a fresh charge of gasoline and air. So every engine has valves at the very top of the cylinder which allow the exhaust gas to escape and allow a fresh mixture to come in. And these valves are called, you ready for this? One of them is called the exhaust valve, duh. And the other one is called the intake valve. So here's what happens. 
let's say we have this situation where we have the, the gasoline in the cylinder. We have the explosion. Okay. We push the piston down. The piston comes flying back up again. Okay. And when it's while, while it's flying back up, this exhaust valve opens up. And what happens when it opens up is it pushes out the exhaust into the air. When you go faster, does it make the engine go faster? To make it go faster, I'd want a bigger explosion. I'd want to put in more gasoline. So instead of putting in one tiny drop, I might put in a drop and a half or two drops or three drops. And the more I put in, the bigger the explosion. And now there's a, the explosion will be. Now there's a limit to how much gasoline you can put in. Because if you put in too much, it won't burn at all. But if you put in just the right amount every time, you can get the engine to go. So it, it when your engine is sitting there, when you stopped at a traffic light, for example, your engine is turning about 500 revolutions per minute. So, and that's why it's so quiet. You can barely hear it. It's just going blah, 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 blah. And when you accelerate, when you step on the gas pedal, you are doing two things. You're letting in more air. And then when we inject the gasoline in, depending upon how much gasoline we put in, that determines how big the explosion is and how fast the piston moves downward. So we don't put the gasoline in until the very top. When the piston is all the way up at the top, we put the gasoline in, the explosion takes place. And if we put a little in, it pushes the piston down slowly. If we put a lot in, it pushes the piston down very, very hard, very fast. And that makes the engine run faster and faster and faster. Pretty neat, huh? It's amazing. What advice would you give someone who wants to begin working on their own cars? Uh, Well, you should make sure that you practice all the safety things you need to. It's very important to have somebody who's done this stuff before kind of take you through it step by step. I had my dad and I also had my older brother. So my brother, who had a car, because he was a lot older than me, uh, as you might imagine, had a car that didn't run very well. So every week he was fixing something. So I would sit there and watch him work. And he had learned from my dad. And little by little, I learned to watch him, to observe, to, to learn how you could hurt yourself and how to avoid hurting yourself, how to avoid breaking parts of the car. And that's the way to learn. And it's, and it's a tremendous amount of fun. Working on cars is a lot of fun. And uh, if you get a chance to do it by watching somebody do it, you can you can say, gee, can I try that next? And if they're unafraid, they'll let you try it. And that's how you'll learn. Well, thank you so much for teaching us about cars today. Thank you. Thanks for calling. I'm, I'm glad to be on. Many thanks to Annika De La O for sending in that question and helping us with that interview. Now, speaking of tiny explosions, Gabriella, are you ready to have your mind blown? It's time for the mystery sound. sound. Here it is. Any guesses? It kind of sounds like somebody like the rain pouring down when you're driving. Excellent guess. We'll be back with the answer in just a bit. Our next Versus episode is coming up in July, and we want to know which side you're on. 
Which do you think is cooler, deep sea or outer space? Send your argument to hello at brainson.org. It's your answers, questions, and mystery sounds that make this show possible. And in order to thank all the kids who share their energy and ideas with us, we started the Brains Honor Roll. Listen for the most recent group to be added to this illustrious list at the end of the show. And if you're looking for some more fun to keep you busy in the car, you should subscribe to our newsletter. If you do, we'll send you some downloadable activity sheets dreamed up by the Brains On team that will help you pass the time in style. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Gabriella Hopper. And I'm Molly Bloom. Ready to find out the answer to that mystery sound? Yes. Let's hear it one more time. A final guess? Now that I think about it, it kind of sounds like an like old car's motorized engine, like heating up. Excellent guess. Here's the answer. That was the sound of a car driving past us on the Autobahn. The Autobahn is a highway in Germany, and there's no speed limit. We usually drive about 100 miles per hour. I'm Ben. And I'm Jack. We're from the U.S., but we live in Ethiopia. We recorded the sound when we lived in Germany. So you were close. The car was driving, and that little vroomy sound was another car driving by. Have you ever driven that fast? Um, I don't think so. Well, my granddad, he drives pretty fast in his sports car, but I don't think ever that fast. Yeah, it's pretty fast. The Autobahn really gives those engines a workout. And the amazing thing about the internal combustion engine is that the fundamentals of the way it works have not changed since it was invented and refined in the 1860s and 70s. And that leads us to our next question. Hi, my name is Ollie, and I'm nine years old, and I live in Austin, Texas, and my question is, when was the first car invented? Like many great inventions, the car wasn't dreamed up overnight. There were actually quite a few different people trying to come up with a self-powered vehicle that didn't rely on a horse. It was a process of innovation that spanned decades. Etienne Lenoir in France patented an internal combustion engine that used coal gas and air in 1858. He demonstrated that it could be used to move boats and a three-wheeled carriage. Called a hippomobile, which much to my dismay does not look like a hippopotamus. <laughs> but his engines were mostly used for stationary purposes, meaning they powered things that didn't move. Like water pumps or printing presses. But tinkerers started playing around with Lenoir's design. Nicholas Otto. His name is Otto? Actually, it's a homonym, spelled O-T-T-O instead of A-U-T-O, but yeah, I like that too. Nicholas Otto in Germany refined the internal combustion engine. He patented the technology that is still the underpinning of how our internal combustion engines work today. A German engineer named Siegfried Marcus was the first to make a gas-powered road vehicle in 1875. And in 1886, Carl Benz patented the motor wagon and was the first to try to sell them to the public. Seems like a great idea, right? 
But at first, no one wanted them. So his wife, Bertha, decided to help. She took the car for a long-distance drive. Along the way, she made repairs to the car on the road. She came up with the idea for brake pads while traveling and made a show of getting more fuel at pharmacies along her route. This publicity stunt showed the world how useful these horseless carriages could be. But gas-powered cars were not the only kind of automobiles being developed. There were also steam-powered cars and electric ones. To learn more about this rivalry of engines, we're going to drop in on the monthly game night of Stanley the Steam Car. Hello. Zippy the Electric Car. Hi there. And Victor the Gas-Powered Car. I'm Victor. Coming! Hey, Zippy. Victor, are you ready to lose tonight? (laughs) I never lose. We'll see about that. Don't close the door. I'm coming too. Stanley, the steam car. Yay! The gang's all here. Come on in. Hey, Victor. Feeling gassy? Stan, my man. You know it. Gas is my jam. (laughs) All right, guys. Gather round. Tonight's game is... Car Cheesy? Car Razy Eights? Settlers of Cartan! That game is hard. Nice choice, Zip. Thanks. I'll start setting up the board. You guys put out the snacks. No problem. Nuts and bolts good with everyone? You bet. But I'm going to juice up with a sip of fresh electricity if you don't mind. Hey, Stan, what have you been up to lately? (sighs) Not much. Not surprising. Victor! What? It's true. No, Zippy. It's fine. I haven't been busy. But for the record, Victor, I was in the engine game long before you. Uh-huh. Nicholas Joseph Cugnot. Ring a bell? He built the first automobile in the 1700s, and it was steam-powered. But then what happened? Well, it wasn't our fault the water took so long to heat up and make steam which powered the car. Once we got going, we were quieter and more efficient than the first gas-powered cars. Yeah, but not for long. I cleaned up my act. <sighs> well, yeah, but we're poised to make a comeback. Sure you are, Stanley. Sure you are. But, Victor, we both had you beat for a while there. <laughs> sure. Over a hundred years ago, back when only very rich people could afford cars. Hey, man! I was perfect for driving around the city. I didn't make stinky exhaust, and I didn't need a hand crank to get started. Yeah, Victor. Those cranks you guys had were dangerous, flinging people into the air. I had fewer parts, so I was easier to fix, also way quieter. Electric cars, the number one choice for women, until World War I. But then I got my electric starter. See ya, hand crank. Gas for the win. Yeah, well... And... Henry Ford figured out how to mass-produce us gas-powered cars, making us affordable for everyone. Whatever. I suppose you're going to talk about oil next? He always does. Well, oil found in Texas made fuel really cheap, too, so, yes, oil. (coughs) Exhaust. So, tell me, where were people supposed to recharge on long drives? Electricity wasn't everywhere back then, eh, Zippy? Well, yeah, but electricity is everywhere now, Victor. And we really are poised to make a comeback. Hey. Sorry, Stan. It's okay. Is this game ready to play or what? Huh? Oh, yeah. Are you ready to lose? Not very likely. 
Can you remind me of the rules again? Sure. Well, you need to collect commodities. There's rubber, like for your tires, metal, like your frame, glass, like windows, and plastic for... Internal combustion engines create tiny explosions by combining fuel, air, and heat. This reaction makes the pistons in an engine move, which turn the crankshaft, which makes the wheels turn. The first automobile was made in the 1700s and powered by steam. Gas and electric came along in the 1800s. But gas-powered cars became dominant around 1910. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Coming up in the Road Trip series, we'll talk about the future of cars. How they're designed. How traffic works. And what happens to our bodies when we ride in the car. Our Road Trip episodes are going to be coming out fast and furious, pun intended, during the month of June. Keep refreshing those podcast feeds and take the whole series on the road with you. Wait, Molly, we need to make a pit stop for the Brains On roll. Oh, of course. Here it is. William and Daniel from Chula Vista, California, Elizabeth from Detroit, Shay and Gavin from Chevrolet, Maryland, Saraksha from Edison, New Jersey, Delaney from Ypsilanti, Michigan, Ella, Oliver, and Arthur from Wolfville, Nova Scotia, Miles from Kansas City, Missouri, Julia and Henry from Queens, New York, Oren from Ashland, Oregon, McKenna from Milford, Massachusetts, Sita from Brooklyn, Sutton from Minneapolis, Maddie from Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, Lily and Jack from Atlanta, Cora from Chicago, Simone from Clackman in Scotland, Sasha from Taipei, Taiwan, Lua from Australia, Andre, Ryder, Logan, and Dimitri from Silver Spring, Maryland, Dylan and Addie from Zebulon, North Carolina, Zachary from New York City, Eliana and Tyler from Pittsburgh, Ollie from Marblehead, Massachusetts, Zion from Chattanooga, Joey from Cleveland, Henry from London, Ontario, Dillinger from Los Angeles, Evan and Nolan from Calgary, Alberta, Lorelai from Lemoore, California, Liam and Megan from Kelowna, British Columbia, Lucas and Colette from Costa Rica, Terrence from Castro Valley, California, Evie from Quakertown, Pennsylvania, Lee and Hugh from Woodstock, New York, Billy from San Leandro, California, Ellis from Toronto, Eliana from Raleigh, North Carolina, Violet and Dorian from Jackson, Florida, Gideon and Selah from Mossheim, Tennessee, Ash from Bainbridge Island, Washington, Aubrey from West Windsor, New Jersey, Sonia from Shorewood, Minnesota, Emma and Kayla from Graham, Washington, and Simone from San Francisco. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sanon Totten, and Molly Bloom. We had engineering help this week from David Green, Roger Smith, Corey Shreppel, Steve Griffith, and Eric Stromstad. Many thanks to Tiffany Hansen, Doug Berman, Carolyn Hopper, John Heitman, Lauren D., Eric Ringham, Anna Reed, Robin Shields, Ryan Musial, Yul Lemfers, Alana and Robert De La O., and Colleen Gatehouse. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at brains underscore on. And we're on Facebook, too. And email your questions, ideas, and mystery sounds and drawings to us anytime. We're at hello at brainson.org. Or you can find our mailing address if you want to send us physical mail. That address can be found on our website, brainson.org. Thanks for listening.